Remember the days when you were driving around in a new town or a new area and you were trying to get somewhere and you had to stop and ask for directions. Now there are some, some of you in here, I remember it was like the man thing to do. It was not like, you know, the godly man thing, just the dumb man thing to do. Back in those days it was like, I ain't going to stop and ask for directions, all right? And so although some of you could have, uh, you drove around in circles and, uh, you know, got really frustrated. Uh, but there was a day where you had to do that, you know, if you wanted, if you were trying to find something. But, but those days uh, are, 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 are gone in that if you have a, a GPS device or if you have a cell phone that has GPS on it, which many of the smartphones do, you don't have to worry about, you know, stopping at the gas station and asking them how to get to this road or that road. You can take a destination address and you can type it into your GPS device and all the information that is needed to guide you to your location, to the destination, everything that you need to know about how to get there is in that GPS device. And if you'll just ask it, if you'll just, some of you can just say, Hey Siri, I better not say that. Siri just engaged. All right, some of you, some of you think uh, you know you can ask your cell phone. You know, hey, uh, how do I get somewhere? And it will tell you. It, it will tell you how to get there. But a lot of us, we just we just don't ask. A lot of times, it's not that the information's not there. It's that we just forget or we neglect to access it. And so last week, we began this paragraph, this passage. We, 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 uh, we read the first couple verses. I want to read that to you again. The Apostle Paul says uh, to the Ephesians, Pay careful attention then to how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. And in, in these verses, just like all through the book of Ephesians, and especially here in Ephesians 5, we are encouraged to walk according to godly wisdom. We are encouraged to live according to godly wisdom. And so we unpacked that a little bit last week, but, uh, but now this week in, in verse uh, 17, Paul is going to give us another description of what it looks like to walk as one who is wise. And, and this morning, in order to really dig into this verse, uh, we're not even going to scratch the surface. We're just going to talk about a few things. But in order to really dig into this verse and the meaning of this verse, this verse in verse 17 becomes a springboard uh, that we sort of launch from. And we will be in different books of the Bible. We'll have some different passages. Some of them will be on the screen. Some of them will not be. Um, and, and I'm probably not going to warn you before you get there. So if, you, if you're really good at Bible drill and, uh, you know, you can get there real quick, feel free to do that. Feel free to take some notes and write some of these scriptures down in case you want to go back and, and read them in their full context in the, in the days to come. But we want to look here at Ephesians 5.17. This is going to be our springboard here this morning. So uh, the Apostle Paul says... So, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. He says, be careful how you walk, 
Remember in verses, uh, in verses 15 and 16, walk or live as a wise person, not a foolish person, but then he takes it a step further and says, if you're going to understand how to live wise, if you're going to, have to, if you're going to understand how to, live, uh, how, how to not live like a fool, then you need to understand what the Lord's will is. A person who lives wise is the one who understands what the Lord's will is. Father, we pray this morning that you would help us to understand this a little bit more in a way that would make sense for our everyday lives, in a way that may even connect some, uh, some, some dots in our minds and questions that maybe we have always asked about things. But whatever it is, God, I just pray that your will would be done in this place. And Father, help us to have a better understanding of your will as we, uh, as we uh, are finished here today. Father, that we would serve you in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. So we live in a GPS-led culture. Everywhere you go, you can type these little digits into your phone or your tablet or your, you may have a little Garmin or a TomTom uh, little device in your vehicle. But we live in, in a world that is led by GPS. Now, if you don't know what GPS stands for, uh, that stands for Global Positioning System. This morning, though, I want you to understand a different kind of GPS. Everybody's familiar with, or most of us are familiar with, the basic understanding of, uh, of a regular sort of everyday GPS. But this morning, instead of talking about the global positioning system, I want to talk about and understand God's positioning system and God's GPS system. You see, a normal GPS system like you have in your car, it's a little different from God's GPS because your car GPS or your phone GPS, it's worried about where you want to go. It's worried about what, uh, where, uh, what, what your destination is. It's, it's worried about uh, uh, its central focus really is what your will is. Hey, where do you want to go? You tell me where you want to go and I'll tell you how to get there. That is the focus of a normal everyday GPS. But God's GPS when we're focused on, uh, on what God wants, we understand that God's GPS is focused on, on His desire, not our desire. It's, a, it's, a, it's not a question of where do you want to go, it's, hey God, where do you want to take me? There's a whole different way of looking at things when we're asking about God's will for our lives. Uh, years ago, my brothers and I... Um, got my mom a Garmin GPS. Now this was before everybody had them on their smartphones. This is probably 2009, 2010. Uh, you know, it was one of those ones, all you had to do was plug it into the, you know, to the, uh, to the power, uh, DC power outlet in your car and you could, you know, it would power up and you could use it and, and you know, just like a GPS. And you know, my, my mom, she, we got that for her 2009, 2010. It is 2019. And to my knowledge, that thing has never done her one bit of good. You know why? Because she's never plugged it in. <laughs> she's never even tried to use it. And so if you're going to understand what God's will is, you need to plug in. You need to plug in. You need to plug up. You need to get connected. In 2 Peter 3, the very familiar passage 
tells us that God does not delay in His promises as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but wanting all to come to repentance. Hey, you want to know what God's will is for your life? Well, first and foremost, God's will, God's desire, God's plan for your life, first and foremost, above everything, is to come into a relationship with Him, and that only comes through faith and repentance. See, Scripture tells us in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It tells us that God created all the stars in the sky. Oh, man, how awesome God is. Uh, God created the land and the sea and the creatures of the air and of the sea and of the land. And then God created humanity. And the Bible says that God created man or he created humanity in his image. You know what that means? That means humanity was created special, set apart. It, it means that human life is sacred. That's why we, we emphasize the sanctity of human life and things like that, okay? Because, because we're made, we're, in all of creation, we're the only things in all creation that are made in the image of God. Humanity was created special. But not only was humanity created special, he didn't just create humans uniquely, he did, but he also created you uniquely as well. Not only does he have a plan for, for we as people as a whole, but he has a plan for you individually. He has a plan for me individually. And no matter where you are on your journey in life, whether you're a young person with many days ahead, or, or you have a person that have lived more days, that have more days behind you than you have ahead of you, if you are in this life, if you are drawing breath on this planet, God has you here for a reason, and He has a purpose for you. He has a specific plan for you. We see that with the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 1, where God says to Jeremiah, He says, I chose you before I formed you in the womb and I set you apart before you were born. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Before Jeremiah was born, God already had a plan for him to be a prophet to the nations. Why? Because God had a specific plan for him, just like he has a specific plan for you. Uh, in Psalm 138, King David says, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. David understood that God had a specific purpose for him as a king. God created Jeremiah for a special purpose. God created David for a special purpose. And God created you for a special purpose. And if you would trust him, if you will learn to seek his will and follow his will in your life, then then you're going to come to an understanding of, of what that looks like and, and what that means for you. A lot of people will say, well, that's good for Jeremiah and that's good for King David, but what does that mean for me? God has not called me to be a vocational prophet to the nations. God has not called me to be the king of a, 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 of a country or uh, this high-powered uh, and high, highly influential uh, world leader or national leader. That's, I'm just a regular person. What about me? 
Let me tell you, I'll just give you the most theologically correct answer that, that, that I can. I just want to be really clear in this. What about God's will for me? I don't know. What does that look like for me? I don't know. I know God has a will for you. And I know God's will is to serve Him, to worship Him, to live for Him. But how does that look like? What does that look like in your everyday life? I don't necessarily know. But here's one thing that I do know. That no matter who you are, God created you for a purpose. He created you for a reason. And they may look a little different depending on who you are. How God has gifted you. The circumstances that God has placed you in at this point in your life. No matter who you are, God created you for a purpose. Now, if you grew up in the 70s and in the 80s, okay, then you understand that in those days, there was one superhero movie. came out in 1978, Superman. The Superman, the old Christopher Reeve Superman movies. And, and man, that was like the only superhero movie in those days. But there's this beautiful scene that always sticks in my mind when we talk about purpose and direction and God's will for our lives. There's a scene where, uh, where Clark Kent is having this conversation with his dad when he lives. They're living in Smallville. And, and he's real upset. And, he, and, he, and he's, he just, he's upset because he knows you know, all these people that pick on him and all these people that bully him. He knows that he could just... He, he, could, you know, he could stand up to them and he could put them in their place. He knows that if he wanted to, he could go and dominate everything on the football field. And, and he's walking with his dad down, the, down the, uh, the long driveway there. And it's a beautiful scene. And his dad says, son, he says, one thing I do know is that you are here for a reason. And he says, I don't know exactly that reason, but I know that it's not just to score touchdowns. Now, there's nothing wrong with being successful on the field. I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying, though, is that sometimes the things that we think we want is not always part of God's actual plan for our lives. And so we have to understand God's created you for a reason. But here's something I want you to understand about that, because God has created you for a reason. Say, so well, what does this have to do with being plugged in and plugging up? Here's what it has to do with. Uh, you cannot know the plan of God without accepting the payment of God. You're never going to be able to know God's plan for your life. Who does God want me to be? Does God want me to one day uh, be a teacher? Does God one day want me to be a business owner? Does God one day want me to, to work uh, in, in, a, in a legal profession or in a medical profession? Does God want me to be a, a person who works at home and that is my job and that is my career is raising my family? Say, how in the world can I really uncode that and unpack that? Well, number one, it starts with knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because that's, that's something, that's direction and that's wisdom that God gives to believers. You can't know the full plan of God if you've never accepted His payment for your sin. That's why 2 Peter 3, um, Peter tells us that God doesn't want any to perish, but He wants all to come into repentance. In 1 Timothy, it says that God wants everyone to be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. You want to know the wisdom of God? You need to know the Son of God first. And so for a lot of people, that, that is the holdup. 
For a lot of people, it's, uh, it's not that they don't want to make wise choices in a sense, uh, but there are a lot of people who say, well, teach me some principles or some standards that maybe will help me in my life, but I'm not really sure that I really want to give over control of who I am to Christ. And if you really want to know the will of God for your life, number one, the will of God is that you would come to Christ through repentance and through faith. It's amazing. Scripture tells us that, uh, that if we will repent in the name of Christ, in Acts chapter 2, repent each of you in the name of Jesus Christ to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You say, well, 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 how is it that God's going to convey His will to my life and to my life through the Holy Spirit? So where do I get the Holy Spirit? Well, you have to have a relationship with Christ first and foremost. Foremost, if I can talk this morning. Okay? And so, so, so we, need to, we need to plug up. We need to be sure we're connected to a relationship with Christ. The second thing we need to do is power up. We need to power up. Okay? In 2 Peter 1, I love this, uh, I love this passage. Verse 3 it tells us that His, talking about God's divine power, has given us, and in this passage, us as believers, uh, the divine power of God has, has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. So we see that God's power has given you everything you need as a believer, everything you need to follow God's will in your life, Everything you need is available through the power of God that is at work in your everyday life. And so that divine power is there. Now, it's not our power. It's God's power. But part of that is, is, uh, is, is God leading us and giving us wisdom and helping us to navigate this life. He goes on down here in verse 5. Peter says, after talking about this divine power uh, that God has given to us and he's given us everything we need verse 5 he says for this reason for this reason make every effort make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness and goodness with knowledge and knowledge with self-control self-control with endurance endurance with godliness godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love verse 8 he says for if these qualities are yours and increasing they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, everything you need, God gives to you. And because of that, you need to make every effort in your life to pursue the things of God. You want to know God's will? Pursue the heart of God. You want to know what God wants for your life? Well, read your Bible. Study the Word. Pray. Come to church. Have a council of wisdom around you of people that will that you know are studying the Bible themselves, people that you know are people of prayer themselves who will help guide you as well. Sometimes, sometimes you know we need that uh, that um, that those friendships to help nudge us along, and God uses those things at times uh, to help spur us towards the will of God. But for this reason, make every effort, every effort in what He's talking about your faith. I love this in verse 8 here. Again, we're in 2 Peter 1. But verse 8 says, For if these qualities are yours and increasing, they will keep you from being useless. Keep you from being unfruitful in the knowledge 
of God. We need to guard against being believers that are not bearing the fruit that we ought to be bearing. We need to guard against being people who say I'm a believer, but when it comes to the things of faith, I'm really not very useful for God right now. Because here, here's the deal. If the enemy of God, if, if he can do anything, he's going to deceive you. He's going to try to get you away from, the, away from God's word, away from God's plan. He wants you never to know God. He wants you to never come into repentance. He wants you to, to die in your rebellion and have to pay for your sins. That's what he wants. But, you know, if he can't have that, if you've come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you truly know him, the Bible says that there, there's a new heart, that, uh, that he is a new creation, the old has passed away. God gives us a new heart. Ezekiel says it's a, it, it's, a, it, it's a heart from the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit gives us a new heart. But, see, here's the deal. Uh, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and the enemy can't get you, cannot have your heart, He's going to do anything he can and everything he can to, uh, to uh, neutralize your uh, usefulness for God in this life. He may not have your heart, but he, he, he is going to tie you up with every distraction and every deception that, that you will let yourself fall into so that hopefully he can navigate you away from God so that your life would be fruitless in the knowledge of God. So how do you pursue that divine nature? How do you pursue that? How do you make every effort? Well, we do that. Obviously, it's an intentional thing. But Romans 1 gives us a little clue in, in how this works out. I think this is great. Romans 1, verses 16 and 17. Uh, Paul says in verse 16 of Romans 1, you're familiar with this. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's, God, it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first the Jew and then also the Greek. But verse 17 tells us something else. For in it, talking about the gospel, God's righteousness is revealed from faith to faith, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Now that has a lot of meanings, but let me tell you one very practical application that relates to what we're talking about here this morning. Faith to faith. God's righteousness is revealed faith to faith. That means that as you have faith in God, okay, he, he, as, you, as, you, as you have faith enough in God to trust Him in this area, then as you move into that area of your life trusting in God, then He'll, he'll reveal something else to you. Another step you need to take. Sometimes it's, it's not right away. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you stay in one place for months or for, uh, you know, for years in, in, in that case. Sometimes when you, maybe when you're thinking about uh, career decisions and jobs and things like that. But whatever it is, and when you trust, when you have faith and you trust God with this one thing and you move forward in that, then God reveals the next thing. It's like that flashlight that you carry when you're in the dark. It just reveals what's right in front of you. The step you need to take right now it doesn't reveal what the destination is until you have arrived at that destination. It just reveals where the next step on the path is going to be. Step one in knowing God's will, praise God. Step one is coming to faith in Christ, knowing Him as 
Lord and Savior. But, you know, our journey with God does not end at salvation. I think a lot of people, you know, they worry so much, you know, they think, uh, oh, you know, am I going to go to heaven or am I going to go to the bad place, you know? Am I going to go up or am I, you know, going to be uh, under the earth and, and all of these things? But, but in reality, that is a very important question. That is probably the most important question that you could ever ask yourself. But here's what you have to understand. Life does not end at salvation. Salvation is where it begins. Salvation is the beginning of the journey. Yes, when you're saved. Yes, when you come to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Yes, uh, you are. Your sins have been paid for. Okay, the, the, the death of Jesus on the cross is paid for your sins. But that is the beginning of the journey for you. God has other things ahead of you. He hasn't saved you to just sit you on the sidelines, okay? He has saved you for a reason. He has saved you for a purpose. He has things for you to do, as we've already seen in Ephesians chapter 2. You say, well, 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 how do I pursue that? How do I, how, how do I go after that? How do I make every effort for that in my life? Well, we've already talked about that. Prayer, Bible study, going to church, worshiping the Lord. You know one of the coolest things? Of course, we love to be in here and worship God together with brothers and sisters in Christ. It was so cool just, man, just hearing the voices this morning and just knowing that the heart of God uh, was being, uh, being blessed and to know that God was being glorified in this place through that. But, you know, one of the coolest things is uh, if you don't ever do this, if you haven't done this, then I want you to try it. Go somewhere sometime and just get alone. Just you and the Lord. It may even just be in your car. You know, if you have a Christian CD or you have a radio station that plays God-glorifying music, maybe you listen to and you sing along with, or maybe you just turn that radio or you turn that uh, iPhone off and you just spend time with the Lord and sing praises to His name. Sometimes whenever I... I get to the office a little earlier than normal every once in a while. I'll get there before Miss Rachel does. It's not often, but it does happen every once in a while. And uh, if I'm ever in there by myself, you know, after I kind of get my bearings and think about a couple things, and, you know, I'll pick up my guitar and you know, I start playing worship music. I just spend time with the Lord. It's special times like that when we're singing praises to the Lord, or sometimes I just open my Bible and just reading, you know, just kind of reading a book of the Bible, continuing where I left off, whatever that might be, and spending some time in prayer. Those are times when God often gives me clarity and gives me direction. Because here's the deal. The more you submerge yourself in the things of God, the more you're going to learn about the heart of God. And the more that divine nature is fed, the more God will move, uh, move you in His direction and the more you will discover His will for your life. I can't tell you how many times I've heard somebody say to me, I just don't know what God's will is for my life. I just don't know. And, and, and listen, I have said that myself. You know, uh, there have been times when I've just thought, what is the will of God? And, and what I was really fretting about was how the will of God 
what, whatever it was that God wanted for me was going to affect me, whether it be in a positive or, or what I might have perceived as a negative way. Uh, but I've asked that question, and many people ask that question. And then, you know, I'll talk to them, and, and they'll say, I just want to know God's will. I just want, well, well God, will, God will just tell me what to do. And they say, okay, well, amen. Well, have you, have you prayed? Have you prayed about it? Uh, well, have you, uh, tell me about what, what's going on in your Bible study life. What's God saying in your Bible study? Uh, well, you know, I mean, you know, for God's to love the world. I saw that a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, and, and you say, well, well, tell me about your going to church. Tell me what God's doing in, 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 at your church. And you know, a, a lot of time, most of the time when people are telling me, I don't know what God's will is for my life. The answer to those, those other questions, those follow-up questions, really show, you know, the reason why they don't, they don't have as much of a clue. Now, listen, I'm not, I want you to understand this. You're going to ask God what His will is, and you will pray, and you will struggle over things, okay? It's hard enough sometimes to, to follow the will of God when he is laying it out in front of us. And every once in a while we get something really clear. But, but a lot of times it is a struggle. And it is, it, it is it's because we're, we're pursuing something that's not natural to who we are. We're pursuing the divine nature of God. The divine will of God instead of the human will of me. And so that takes some effort. That takes some translation by the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, it, it, it can be difficult enough for us so if we're not in the word and we're not at church and we're not praying and we're not worshiping I'm telling you it becomes even more difficult I've also had people say something like this well I know God's word says this but I do that <laughs> and then, then you say okay uh, well, yeah, see, I know God's word says this, but see, I feel led by God to do it a different way. Uh, no, you don't. No. No, see, the Holy Spirit told me, Pastor. The Holy Spirit told me. No, he didn't. So, well, well, well who are you to judge? Well, I'm, I'm not, but I can tell you a, a very important principle that we've talked about in here before, but I'll just reemphasize uh, as we're talking about God's will this morning, is that the Holy Spirit of God will never lead you to do something that stands in contention with the Holy Word of God, okay? So the Holy Spirit is never going to lead you to do something that God's Word tells you specifically, distinctly, in 100% with all clarity not to do. You see, So the Holy Spirit will... Confirm God's word, but it never conflicts with God's word. Remember, you remember last week when we were talking about the foolish people? I don't know if you remember this, but I'll just remind you one of the things we said last week is that a foolish person lives like they're the exception. They're the exception to the rule. Uh, or, uh, and also a foolish person is a person that's guided by their emotions and their feelings. All their major life decisions are, are based on some feeling or some perception and, and it's not as much based on what God wants for your life, what God's word has clearly already uh, already proclaimed to us. 
the Holy Spirit never contradicts God's Word. And the more you study God's Word, the more you get involved in the things of God, the more God will begin to work in your life. The more you're going to see that, and the more you see that and experience that, the more you learn to trust it the next time it happens. When I was uh, uh, about to turn 16, this was in the, in the mid-90s, uh, early to mid-90s, I was uh, about to turn 16 years old. My dad and I started looking for an old used car. Uh, we weren't uh, rich people, so we didn't, you know, we, he didn't take me to a dealership or anything. We got out the, uh, you know, the Democrat Gazette, and we started looking through the want ads, and we found some cars that were, he gave me a particular price range. Uh, we were looking at cars, and I remember like one of the first cars that I saw was a, was a Datsun B210. Okay, now this is not the exact car, but it's similar, okay? Uh, and it was about in that condition, although I remember it's being green. Uh, but we went to look at this Datsun B210, and let me tell you something, that doesn't look like much of a car to you, but to a kid who was, who was desperate to be free, a kid that wanted a car and wanted a set of wheels to be able to give me some sort of independence, we got in that car, it was just like that, except it was green, it was a little beat up, but not too bad, and it ran just fine, and we drove it around the block, and I was like, okay, that's it, we're going to get this car, I'm going to drive this car, uh, you know, and, and, and my dad thought about it, and you know, I, I remember him really kind of thinking through it, and he told the guy, well, we'll let you know, and so we got in the car, and we started driving home, and he told me, he said, I don't think we're going to get that car, you're not going to want that car, and I said, you don't know what I want. Of course I want that. I mean, it drove just fine. I'll, I'll drive that car. And he's like, you don't want that car. And, and, we had, and I was like, well, who are you to tell me what I want? You know, that, that whole conversation that you have with, with young adults and students and parents and all those things. But then I'll never forget a, a few weeks later, we saw another ad in the papers. Another Datsun. wasn't a B210. Uh, we drove up to Markham over there uh, in Little Rock off of Markham. And I pulled in there and sitting on the side of the road, there it was. Oh, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. It was a 1978 uh, Datsun 280Z. Oh, let me behold for just a minute. It was, and this is not the actual car, but this is exactly what it looked like. It's pearl black. It had these alloy uh, wheels. Um, five-speed transmission, 170 horsepower. Woo! Man! And I sat behind the wheel of that thing, and I remember driving that, and I remember looking at a speedometer that, that read 165 miles an hour. And although today I question my dad's wisdom in that, I was really thankful in that moment as I was driving that car that I didn't end up with that B210. Okay? I was so thankful because, see, my dad knew something about life that I didn't know. And, and, and I began to think, hey, the old guy is not quite as clueless as I think that he is. Okay? That was one of those lessons in life. Listen, God is not clueless. He has a purpose for you. He has a will for you. He created you for a reason. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're never going to know it. If you do know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have to understand that's not the end of the journey. You need to press on and make every effort in your faith and in, in your faith walk to grow in your relationship with Christ. And as you do, you don't just need to uh, plug up or power up. You're going to have to get up. You're going to have to get up and go. In Acts 26, and Paul's sharing his testimony with King Agrippa, he's telling King Agrippa about 
about what happened on the road to Damascus. And he, he, he quoted what Jesus said to him. And Jesus said to Paul, but get up and stand on your feet for I have appeared to you for this purpose. To appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and what, uh, what I will reveal to you. So God says, I have a purpose for you. Not only do I want you to tell people about what I have done, but I'm going to do some more things. And I want you to serve me by making sure other people know about what else I have done or I'm going to do in your life. He says, get up and go. And so Paul, in verse 19, he says, therefore, King Agrippa, I wasn't disobedient to the heavenly vision. Instead, I preached to those in Damascus first. So he says, he says, so I want you to know, King, God called me and I obeyed. I didn't just sit around and say, well, I'll get to it later. God had a purpose and a plan for me. And I began to follow that purpose. I began to follow that plan. And God used me. He says to us in Ephesians, going back to where we started, pay careful attention then to how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil, verse 17, so don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. You want to know the will of God in your life? Then come to faith in Christ. Come to Him by faith and repentance. You want to know the, the will of God in your life? Make every effort to pursue the, the divine nature of God, to pursue the things of God in your life. You want to know the will of God in your life? Be willing to get up and go when He calls you, when He leads you, when He gives you direction, when He gives you, uh, gives you that next step and shows you what it is that He wants for you next. Be willing to pursue that. Get up and go. And find out what God's will is for you. Let's pray.